Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey everyone, welcome to Show Your Scars. So excited to have you guys listening on this Monday. I hope you're having a great start to your week and I'm pretty pumped to bring you guys somebody that was really meaningful to me in my recovery process and still meaningful to me in many ways as a friend and mentor in a lot of the things that I do. Jim Keller is the owner of Next Level in Golden, Colorado. Jim has been in this career field for a long time. He first started out with the Denver Broncos and after he accomplished a lot with them, he decided to keep continue pursuing his dreams of opening his own shop. And Next Level has this really cool way of integrating physical therapy and sports performance. I think it pays off big time. They continue to help athletes kind of transition from an injury into a performance side of things and it's really key in a lot of the things that I talk about with injury recovery how that gray area is something that we need to address so next level is a great place I wish it was all over the country so everybody could go and work with them but I had the opportunity to go into the shop and talk with Jim so I noticed when listening back there is a little uh, ticking going on sometimes and I apologize for that this is the first time I've recorded face to face which was a really cool experience because it's more conversational I think and uh, I just want to apologize for that little uh, audio blurb that happens every now and then but I had the opportunity to talk to Jim about why he got into this career path in the first place we talk about how he worked with the Broncos and I have a moment when I acknowledge my love for Terrell Davis because anybody from Denver will love him, but TD was my favorite player and probably still is my favorite Bronco ever. So I have a moment there, but Jim talks about how his injury still haunts him to this day. He talks about why he's so into the mental side of recovery because the head leads the body. He talks about the sport test that Next Level has created and hopefully one day I'll get Joe on the podcast and we can talk about how Joe kind of created this sports test and how it is designed to fail people so they can figure out where they're weak in and then get better before they go back to whatever sport they're given. Jim also talks about the one question that people ask right away that is the most hard for him to handle. And Lastly, I think just to preview it, we talk about how PTs can be the first line of contact after injury because you need to have an established relationship with them, feel comfortable with them, and a lot of the times they can refer to you to doctors of choice that can maybe fit you. I loved this conversation with Jim. We had a few moments where I tried not to get teary-eyed, but uh, the place that we talked has a lot of uh, memories for me. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Jim Keller of Next Level Sports Performance and Physical Therapy. I guess, Jim, I just want to start because we're in this room that we used to spend a <laughs> lot of time in. Um, you remember some of the talks we had in here? Yes, I do. You, your parents, we uh, shared a lot of 
a lot of good stuff in this room. A, a lot, lot of, of tears. A lot of tears. A few smiles. A few smiles. Yeah. A few moments of, oh crap, are we really doing this? Exactly. So everyone listening, I had the privilege of working at Next Level and with Jim Keller throughout all of my injuries. Actually, even before my injury, I think, is the first time I met you. I came in with a little hamstring issue, which um, I think was one of the maybe the causes of my first ACL just because my body was telling me, you need to, you need a timeout, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's when we first met. But... Jim has become, as a lot of PTs and sports performance people, become someone so important in your life because they help you through these really, really big downs and really big ups and all of the mess in between. And um, it's cool to come back here and maybe not cry in this room. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. More smiles today. More smiles, for sure. So... um, we, I just wanted to kind of start from your beginning and how you kind of got started in this career. I know that you started off with the Broncos and then now have trans, um, kind of transformed into next level and doing stuff on your own. But what was your initial drive to be in this career field? Initial drive actually started in high school when I had my first knee injury. And that was 17 years old. Uh, just after my parents went through a nasty divorce and soccer was everything in my heart, mind, and spirit. And I dislocated my kneecap and went through rehab that was very archaic at the time. It was the early 80s and did a lot of straight leg raises. No running, no preparation, no higher level. And they told me I could go play. And very first practice back, I re-dislocated. So it actually started for me at that point. I always thought there was such a separation between rehab and sport. So from there, I started studying in in undergrad. I was lucky enough to get a summer gig with the Broncos, working the two-a-day camp, and from there, everything just flourished. And I knew the NFL was my dream, and fortunately made that happen. I started with them in 88 and got through the rest of my schooling, did summers all the way through, and then went full-time in 94. So I was with them 94 to 04, but I let them know in 2000 that my dream was to start next level and basically take what I had learned in pro football to the general public and athletes like yourself and kind of close the gap and try and figure out how to make physical therapy mesh with sports performance, sports performance mesh with training, and kind of tie that all in. So kind of the long-winded version, but it all started in high school. And I guess when I first injured myself in 1983, I've had this some form of this dream in my brain. Not long-winded at all. I actually feel like that was very well articulated. <laughs> uh, I think what's really cool about your story, and this happens to a lot of people, and when they go through injuries and you're an athlete, it's tough. And you are dealing with some other tough things in life as well. But to figure, I think that, that injury also gives you space to understand what maybe your what a different calling may be. And you found that in helping people get better, knowing that there was this gap that you could potentially fill. Exactly. I was born into a construction family. Uh, my grandfather started paving roads in the 1930s, and my dad took off after that, actually 1940s. Uh, My dad took the company over, three sons, and we were all supposed to go to work for dad. 
I started at age 13 working in the summers, worked all the way as a laborer until 22. And that's when things started to happen in undergrad and yeah. started to work for the Broncos. Yeah. And so I was torn. Do I work for the family or do I jump into sports medicine? Uh, my father was awesome. He said, I don't care what you do, just be as good as you can and help as many people as you can. So that's truly what I try and do. I did it with the Denver Broncos. I did it in undergrad. I did it in graduate studies. And yeah. we just turned 13, believe it or not, on May 3rd. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. A lot of fun. So you, gr growing up too, you were used to those hot working days in the summer. Yes. So two a days with the Broncos was maybe, <laughs> I don't know, I, I wouldn't say it was that big of a shock, but I, I think you can't really prepare yourself for something like that in the work that you have to do with these NFL teams. I don't think people really understand everything that these trainers, these uh, sports performance people do with these NFL teams. Were you a little bit like shocked yourself when you first went in there? Yes, I mean, even as a student, our day started at 4.30 a.m. Setting up the training room, setting up the field, and we would begin treatments at about 5.30, quarter to six, treat them, before practice for the AM, treat them, cover practice, yeah. treat them after practice, get a little lunch break, repeat the segue over again, again treatments pre-practice, cover practice, treatments post-practice, and then the longer I was in it, obviously dictation and paperwork and all of our documentation. So we would be up till about 11 o'clock and we'd have to hit the ground running the next day at four. And I loved it. It yeah. was jet fuel. You're around good people. Everybody's tired. About day six or seven, everybody's cranky and wants to quit. Doesn't matter what you do for the team, but you all stick together and a lot of good team bonding. Yes. So a lot of fun. And you got to be a part of some really special teams and some really cool moments. Um, you want to share some of those, maybe some of the things that stick out most to you or some of the players that uh, still to this day you helped maybe back from something that people didn't really think that that was going to be possible. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I did a presentation about a month ago on ACLs and talked quite a bit with Terrell Davis. And Woo! Still TD! <laughs> still communicate with him and uh, what a great attitude. His injury obviously shortened a fantastic career, but what a blessing 20 years later he's entering the Hall of Fame. And he has such such good advice. He goes, Jimbo, it happened for a reason. And I wouldn't, he actually would not change it. And he goes, yeah, could have, but at the same time, it was the hand I was dealt. Uh, his rehab still haunts me. I tell him that all the time. And it's uh, similar to yours. It's one of those that you try everything in your mind, body, spirit, everything that you can do in rooms like this, as well as on the plinth, as well as on the, the floor, the exercises, and sometimes they fall a little bit short. But that's one thing I've always kind of put into my my memory is the ones that fall short. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the teams were fantastic. The te I think 96, 97, 98, we were 39 and seven. I mean, and the cohesiveness and the camaraderie and everybody headed in the same direction was yeah. so powerful. I'll never forget my whole time but especially those three years were the work, the determination. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I got the idea for the name Next Level Sports Performance is because 
everybody trained so hard. And you would hear guys say all the time and during those years, oh, you're going to the next level, going to the next level. And now you see it, it's on ESPN, the next level, and it's kind of all over. But that's, that's totally what drove everybody. And I've never seen such good people come together for the good of the whole to make good things happen. Yeah. And everybody believed in each other and just fantastic. Yeah, a couple, a couple of rings to show for it, too. Very lucky. Yes. Very lucky to have uh, those opportunities. Back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions? Yeah. Back-to-back -back Super Bowl yeah. champions, a part of that group. And just a really cool synergy about it. And I think um, that's something that people need to create in whatever they're doing. You, you know, when you're going through a big injury, whatever it may be, you have to build your team and you have to make sure your team is all on the same level. They're all having the same goals and have that communication, that ability to push one another and also um, trust one another that you're doing it for the right thing. And it sounds like, you know, that team and that idea, that feeling with the Broncos was something that you wanted to bring to people on, on a different level and kind of create here at Next Level. Very much so. And it was obviously led by Mike Shanahan. Uh, saw Mike about six months ago. And uh, what a leader. And he told everybody, you're a play away from being a starter. Mm -hmm. So what that did is that elevated everybody in practice. And if it was a, if it was a backup player, they wanted to imitate whoever their guys were going to see. And he demanded perfection. And it didn't matter if you were a starter or one or two back, you had to be ready to go. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, something that, yeah, we have good teamwork here. Um, we all have each other's backs. And it's something that I just totally flourish so well with with the Broncos and I'm trying to do with Next Level. Oh, it's amazing. Um, that gave me the chills, what you just said about Mike Shanahan. Like, leadership is so key. And when you give people that hope and that idea that you know that they're capable of something great, oh my gosh, people will perform, right? It's, it's powerful. I mean, yeah. the good thing about Mike is he, he said a lot with very little. He mm -hmm. didn't elaborate. He was short and sweet and to the point. But everybody, when 150 men leave the room and everybody knows what they got to do, it, it makes it pretty easy. Yeah. So cool. Um, so you talked about your initial injury with your knee and um, is one of the biggest reasons you started this career path. But what do you think is a, a big lesson you learned with your own injury that has helped you now help other people? By far the mental side. Um, it devastated me. It was at a, a crucial time in my adolescence when I was growing. And, you know, like I said, I'd just gone through a divorce with my parents and soccer was everything. Uh, my coping skills were terrible and I became depressed. Um, I, I truly think though, looking back, Jordan, a lot of, there was too many gaps. We're never going to be able to elevate physical therapy and sport training to sport. Mm -hmm. But I noticed even as a 17, 18 year old kid, there was just too many gaps and I wanted to try and close those gaps. Um, so I think the mental side of it to me was huge. And even more so today, um, the mental side is even bigger. I say it all the time, we, we live in a crock pot world and we have a microwave society. We want it overnight. Mm -hmm. And you, you, we work with our athletes mentally, we work with our athletes physically, we work with the parents, we try and work with the coaches. Mm -hmm. But the more that you can close, close those gaps, it doesn't make it easy, 
yeah. but it does it does help the injured individual immensely. Yeah, absolutely, and the mental side is is humongous. What are some of the things that I mean? Do you just how do how do you address that in in physical therapy? The mental side. Are you just just so aware of the athlete in particular that you notice something off and you're you're asking right away or you're great question i i'm always looking for individual differences Mm -hmm. but at the same time there are some things i say to athletes right away when i started in sports medicine it was 50 50. 50 of it was surgery 50 of it was pt Mm -hmm. somehow we forgot the athlete in that equation right so the athlete felt helpless we say to our people all the time, it's 30, 30, 30, 10. 30 surgery, 30 is PT, 30 is you. And I look them in the eye and they start to cry. And I tell them, your 30 is the most important part. The 10% is the magic. We try and make good things happen. Yeah. So by getting them to understand their onus, I take it a step further, we take it a step further as a company and do the math, seven out, seven days in a week, 24 hours in a day, 168 hours. You're here two hours a week, you have 166 hours on your own. So we, again, put them, wait a second, maybe yeah. I do need to listen, maybe mm-hmm. I do need to follow my home exercises, maybe I do need to ice, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then kind of draw it together, I tell people all the time, drive the speed limit. And there's times where we want them to go 20, 50, push to 75, it's a, it, it goes, it, there's variation. But again, if we can kind of put them in charge, mm-hmm. let them understand that their actions do help control, those are some steps that, that kind of help. And that empowerment helps mentally a lot. Oh, tremendous. I mean, you know, it's, it's the brain drives the body, especially when they're injured. Mm-hmm. And when an athlete is injured, I say it's like a fighter jet pilot. They don't descend slowly, it just drops off. Yeah, it's so true. So you know. Gosh, yeah. And we empower our athletes to actually pick up a hobby. Everything they did, they woke up at a time, mm-hmm. they ate at a time, they had their fluids at a time, they went to bathroom at a time, they trained at a time, they studied. That's all gone. And they need to fill. So I challenge people all the time to get a goal or a hobby, something to fill their brain. Yeah. Because they need that stimulation. They need to fill that that downtime. And I think uh, I I always recommend that to people too because it's not only filling the downtime, but you're taking some like a creative outlet you have in some ways, and you're losing that. So you have to fill that with something. And I think. If you look at it differently, the situation differently, you're provided now time to do something that you've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You talk to these athletes and they've been playing soccer or basketball since they were 11 years old and that's all they've known. Now they can try to learn the guitar. Yep. They can paint or do photography. They've always wanted to do that and now they are provided that opportunity to do that. So it's it's using the mental side to, to flip it, right? And say, exactly. yeah, you're this is really hard and you're doing great work here. But if you find this, this thing that you've always wanted to try and give it a shot, like that might help everything kind of come together and um, grow together as well. Exactly. And if you can get the brain to lead the body and the body to lead the brain and fill those gaps, again, as I referred earlier, if you close that, the more we close that gap, 
I can pretty much guarantee that success of the rehab will be that much better. Yeah. What do you think the most common injury you saw when you were working in the NFL was? And then what do you see more now in these last 13 years with Next Level? Totally entire career, and maybe I'm self-biased because I started with a knee injury, but we deal with knees. And I would have to say that even in the NFL, that was the leader. Mm -hmm. Um, The only different that, you know, it it didn't surpass, but we dealt a lot more with muscle strains hamstring strains, quad strains, mm-hmm. hip flexor strains, so a lot of soft tissue, and that was all just to the na- inherent nature of the beast, the rapid yeah. XLD cells, so the, the susceptibility of the soft tissue, but hands down, uh, knees, even here, I think now, I mean, I don't have my roster in front of us, or in front of me right now, but I think we have like almost 36 ACLs right now. Do you think the rehab in that mental, the mental side of the rehab is harder for a knee injury or do you think it's just an injury in general is, is tough mentally because you're away from, you know, I never dealt with anything besides a knee injury. So I can't talk to uh, these other injuries and the ups and downs of it. But I, I feel like, you know, running the ACL club, I feel like I have other people with knee injuries that are like, I get, I didn't tear my ACL, but I dislocated my knee or I... Um, tore my MCL or my PCL and I deal with or the meniscus and I I deal with those same kind of feelings is it just the extent and the the long how long the rehab is that makes it for for knees that makes it more difficult or are all is there any way you can really compare them or is it not well the biggest differentiation obviously the two leaders that are the hardest are concussions because you're dealing with the brain obviously and then spinal cord if whether it's at the cervical or the lumbar level, yeah. those are two totally different beasts. The majority of the musculoskeletal, anything from the shoulder down to the hand, mm-hmm. anything from uh, the hip down to the foot, they're very similar. What I think a lot of people lose track of with the knee is if you look at the ankle, it goes wherever it wants. You look at the hip, it's an internal, external ball and socket. And everybody thinks our knee is just a hinge, but there's pivot points above and below. So that is why I think the knee is is so intriguing to me. And then two, everybody's into Fitbits and step count. If we look at a mile, I have my Fitbit on, you have yours. If you look at a mile, 2,000 steps. So there's a lot of repeated trauma. And we have to walk to and from. We have to get here and there. So... To me, I'm obviously a little bit partial and biased towards the knee, but for the most part, the musculoskeletal is similar, but with the lower extremity, especially because of mobility and yeah. movement, I think that they're, they're a little bit harder to yeah. deal with. That's just interesting. I, I'm just curious about that because I, like I, I, a girl contacted me the other day with a hamstring. She had torn her hamstring, mm-hmm. but had found really a lot of help in the ACL club in the Good. mental side of things. But I don't know. I, I don't deal with all different types of inter, inju, injuries all the time, and I'm talking to people with different types of injuries, so I'm always just curious, like, um, just the differences in how people react to things. I think that's really it is. It's how you react to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you and I talk about this all the time, how every injury is different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so individualized. And 
why why do you think that is like people that tear their acls that should that seems and like you mentioned in your rehab when you dislocated your knee it was very like by the book you know this is what you do and you'll be better and go be better why do you think that um this switch to that into a more individualized way of treating people is paying off it's it's unique you have to I say all the time, physical therapy, rehabilitation is a science. Yeah. The longer I do this as I'm approaching 30 years, it's an art. And I've noticed the artistic value in it, but anything that we can do to get people to relate, anything that we can get to do to empower, anything that we can get to do to understand. Um, even the simplistics of what I went through with the goofy ankle joint and the ball and socket joint, People have an aha moment there. Yeah. And I think the more that we have on an educational and a mental side of the aha moments and the understanding and the grasping, um, just like you and just like your parents, we had many in talks. As soon as you're injured, the first question is, when can I get back? That should be the last question. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. We need to allow the body to be surgerized. We need to allow the body to be healed. We need to allow the muscles to reactivate. We need to regain stability, mobility. Mm -hmm. But everybody gets hung up on time. So I like to erase time and actually bring in that mental, and that's what makes it unique for people because yeah. everybody knows when that next tournament is. Everybody knows when that next shot at the US team is. We can't let that drive our, our rehab. Yeah. And we try and empower people more and more, the longer I'm doing this, more and more by not living for those goals, but living for their own goals. Mm -hmm. Because as you see, there's still a lot of life after soccer. Yeah, and not only individualizing the rehab process, but allowing and, and uh, educating people that it's a full body rehab. I mean, you talk about the mental side. But you guys here, I, I mean, I know you and everybody that works here are addressing everything, like mm -hmm. how your ankle works. Is that affecting how your knee is working, your hip, your, you know, the, the whole body is, even if you get a knee surgery or an ankle surgery, that is affecting so many other things mm -hmm. that we have to make sure we look at everything. And do you feel like that is something that is um, kind of what you said earlier where you felt like it was there was a big gap is that helping you decrease that gap between sports performance and physical therapy and um why why do you feel like that is some, so important like teaching people about that the way that your whole body is connected great point um once the knee is traumatized once that acl that central transmission is disrupted no matter what doctor does the surgery the knee is never gonna be quite as good as it was. So inherently, if there's kinematic changes in the knee, it's mm -hmm. gonna go distal down to the foot and ankle. It's also gonna go proximal more to the hip and low back. So the entire kinetic chain, and that's the biggest transition in my career. Uh, when I started in the 80s, all we looked at was the joint that was injured. Yeah. We just totally put the crosshairs right on the knee, and we didn't address things. Rehab now, as you know, I mean, it's, it's frightening, Jordan. I know you know these statistics, but national average, there's over a 30% re-tear or injury to the other knee. Mm -hmm. That's one out of every four. 
that's over 25%. And that is why we try and focus on the whole body. That is why we try and focus on the entire leg, the core from your chest to your knees and all the way around, mm -hmm. the contralateral leg, mm -hmm. because there's gonna be compensation. Yeah. So yeah, we try and address, we try and decrease. Our retail ratio is 10%, so we're well below the national average of 30, but we're still not satisfied at 10. Yeah. Um, Joe's doing a great job with our sport test. We're, we're refining it. We're actually buying some new, new tools and techniques cool. right now. Great. We're always trying to decrease that as much as possible. And I think there's so many things that people learn through this process. Like, yes, you are rehabbing this leg, but think about how much more pressure you're putting. Like mine was my left knee. My right leg is, I have arthritis in my right knee because of all the, all the weight compensation I've had. Um, I know that was one of the biggest, I, re, I remember being in this room and <laughs> bawling because my right knee was flared up and I was supposed to go play back in NWSL. And it screwed my whole timeline up and I thought I had to be somewhere. And um, so all those things, you know, throwing timelines out is, you know, this is a process that starts the day you get injured and, and it keeps going forever and ever and ever. And because you, you have to keep up with things. I'm learning that lesson right now as my, my left leg is, my, my muscles are getting a little bit weaker in my left quad and hamstring mm -hmm. and glute and um, starting to notice some changes and it's hard. It's hard to be consistent with that. And, um, but at the same time, I know that it's, important to stay up on those exercises post you know physical therapy post sports performance you know mm -hmm. you got to take care of your body you only get one shot at it exactly um so we, we talk a lot about what you guys are doing but a lot of people are just starting this journey and going into a physical therapy place or looking for a physical therapy place a sports performance place maybe they're at that point where they're done with their x amount of therapy visits but Man, there is a gap that we are, and, and one of the reasons I think you guys have a lower retail rate is that ability to, to mine that gap and, and allow players to keep um, getting stronger and more um, better in that, that gray area of training. So um, what would you tell people to ask physical therapy places, sports performance places, um, to know that they're on the same track or to know that that's the right place for them to go if they want to take this AC or whatever their injury is, ACL injury, and be fully healthy again? What are some good questions that people could ask? Well, I think the biggest thing is word of mouth. Okay. Um, it's it, athletes like athletes. Athletes relate to athletes. And start in your neighborhood, start in your schools, start with your coaches, who has been injured, where have they gone? Mm -hmm. And that can lay out a great groundwork. From there, once you're in the facility, you need to see the facility. Um, a lot of sports medicine is practiced in anything from a room of this size up to 40,000 square feet. Bigger's not better, but what do they have in there? So you wanna see, get a look at the facility you also want to get a look at the, the people that are working there. Um, it, we're blessed and fortunate in our setting. We have a lot of ex-athletes, a lot of ex-high school and collegiate athletes in our setting. It doesn't make us an expert, but it gives us, again, closing one more gap. So trying to find that, trying to find the credibility. Um, in terms of everything, though, too, 
you know, do they have relationships with surgeons? Do they have relationships within the, the medical community? Because that's important as well. So, you know, we contract out, we have, I don't know, about 50 different orthopods that send us people. And we're always trying to make sure that we're as much in communication with the doctors so that we understand. We under, yeah. you know, one of the neatest things in my career with the Broncos was every injury, I was also in the surgery. Me and Greek were in seeing the surgery so we could see what the tissue looked like and those things. So that was one more way to close that. So that's something I miss drastically, but at the same time, asking some of the questions within the community, seeing the facility, mm -hmm. seeing if that's something that, that makes you believe. I mean, I remember when I first met you, you Jordan, you gotta trust in us like we gotta trust in you. And it, to me, it's, it's not the same as dating, but it is, it's about a relationship. Yeah. And I think that that's crucial as well. It really is. I tell a lot of people, there, I mean, there's, there's great doctors everywhere, but I, I almost think that PTs know all of the great doctors, right? So if you find a PT place first and then go to, you know, get referred to a doctor, I, I mean, that's my call of action. I say, okay, you got hurt. I live in Colorado. I love you guys here because you've helped me. You've helped so many other athletes I know uh, get back to sport and um, just really believe what you guys are doing. So I say go to Next Level and talk to them. You know, I, I don't think any PT would turn you down saying, hey, like, I, I'm interested in coming here. I also don't know where I'm going to get surgery. Can you help me mm -hmm. with this? I think that's one of the um, ways you guys really guide people is not only with the post-surgery, but you could help them even with the pre-surgery and figuring out who that is that they should trust. Very much so, and it's funny because I get a lot of calls and who's the best in the country. Well, when you're looking at airline travel, when you're looking at high cost and volume going back and forth, you know, you can't forget on the journey, you not only meet the doc in pre-surgery, you meet them on the day of surgery, you have follow-up at two weeks, you have follow-up at six weeks, you have follow-up at three months, four months. Those travels become difficult. And even here, there's great doctors in our mountains, but at the same time, in the, when it's winter, some people don't want to do that. So yeah. it's as much about setting up a network and a system that fits you, that fits your mentality, that fits your geographics, that fits where you can be close to your team, mm -hmm. all of those things. And I think that also kind of helps with the mental side right. and makes the athlete more at ease. I yeah. know there was a difference when you had your surgeries in California versus Colorado. For sure. It was so much easier when it was all close by. So those are other little anecdotal things that I think add yeah. up. To the mental side as well, like yes. so, so much like you talk about the differences in surgeons and I remember going to the surgeon Dr. Schlegel here in Colorado and feeling like like a, a wave of relief went over my body because I sat there and this man told me Jordan I don't know if you're ever going to play soccer again but I'm going to do whatever I can for you to have a great life and for someone to be like honest and realistic and really feel like he cared for me, not just like, okay, you're another athlete, I'm gonna fix your knee and you're gonna be great. Like, that's not real, that's not real life. That's not, it felt so unnatural to me before and to have someone where I sat there, and this is my fifth doctor that I had seen at that time, you know? We, we talked through that whole process, but fifth doctor and I finally sat with Schlegel and I was like, 
this makes sense. So kind of shopping around for those people is really helpful in the way that, you know, that, that relationship, we talked about it at the very beginning, mm-hmm. that relationship is something that becomes really a part of you. Like I, I could name everybody that I've gotten hurt and they can all talk about their PTs because, or their doctors because those are people that um, have done something significant in their life. Exactly, and I mean, we. It's funny that you mention it. Doctor Schlegel and I were fly fishing last weekend, oh, and we talked him. about the. We've known each other for twenty five years, and just the changes and the mental side, just like you and I are talking right now, and the belief system, mm-hmm. and the coming together of the medical community, yeah. and to. You know, for a while we couldn't tell people they may never play again, and that that's not right, Jordan. It's you know, yeah. we're all on the journey together, and there's bumps and there's good times and bad times, and I think communication is crucial. And if you're open with somebody and say we're going to give it our best shot, the PTs are going to give it their best shot, but you you got to yeah. give it your best shot. Yeah, it just it it ties it together and the it biggest humanizes thing, it. Like we're, we're humans, yes. you're not a yes. patient, you're not a paycheck, you're human. And exactly. I care about you. I don't yeah. want to say this to you, but I care about you. Yep. And it, it, it also helps the parents because oftentimes the parents are more scared than the child. And if we have scared parents and a scared child when they're at home, mm-hmm. that's difficult. Yeah. So the more that the parents feel that the, their son or daughter isn't a good doctor, Right. The more they feel they're in good therapy, the more they feel that they're in good training, the more they feel that they're with a good team, mm-hmm. the more they feel they're with a good coach. Those help the mental side so much mm-hmm. because pain hurts. Pain is a humbleizer. It humbles each and every one of us, and that will never change. Yeah. So the more that you have that outside umbrella intact, you can work on yourself on the inside mm-hmm. and make it easier. Gosh, that's so many good things right there. I agree to everything. I mean, Jim, you've taught me so much and I'm passing that on to many people and um, just the ideas of patience and I loved what you said about microwave and slow cooker and this is a microwave society, but this, you know, injury rehab especially, it's a process. It is. And I think timeline is one of the biggest things people are like, I want to get back for this. I want to get back for that. And I can understand that. Like, I think we all can understand that. But, you know, the goal is full health. The goal is not to play 10 minutes of a game and then have to be sidelined because you then hurt your hamstring or you, you know, are putting yourself at risk. One of the hardest things for me is, um, you know, that re-tear and you, you, you're at the same place. That's hard. And the re-tear, I think, a lot of the times is this, this false sense of, like, I did PT for 20 visits and I got cleared by my doctor and now I can go. How can we encourage people more to like, okay, yes, you got cleared by your doctor. That means you can play, but there's still, you shouldn't be playing a full basketball game. You shouldn't be playing every single day for the next two weeks. You know, it's still a, an up and down climb to that point where you are fully healthy. I just think that you know, there's limitations with physical therapy and how much treatment you can get and money and all those things. Um, but how can we encourage people to really look at that, that gray area a little bit more and say, there's more work to be done. And I understand that this is, I'm still progressing almost to like, 
nine, 12 months, even yeah. post, like there's still work to be done. Well, it starts with the medical community. Um, when I started, it was a career ender 25, 30 years ago. Uh, got down to two years, year and a half, year, eight months, six months. Jerry Rice took it all the way down to four and had a bone patella bone. So on a routine tackle in Candlestick Stadium, he fractured his patella and had a secondary injury. That pendulum got all the way down to four. It stabilized at six and we're pushing it back nine to 12. And the studies show it, if you want to decrease your chances. And if you can get to nine months, your chance of re-injury drops by 20%. If we can extend it a year, it drops even more. So that's why we are trying to sway the pendulum back to a year plus. And we actually, again, the medical community accepts 80%. We mandate 95%, and we have the hardest sports test in the country, if you ask me. And yes, we, it is. We, pur <laughs> we pur you know, we purposefully do it to fail people. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be that way, but it's 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 not a negative fail. It's here's where you're doing good. We test 19 things. Here's where's good, and here's where you still need help. And the athlete and the parent and the coach need to see that. Mm -hmm. So we try and we make it difficult. Right. I mean, if I took it right now, I would fail. I guarantee you it is that hard. Yeah. And we are purposefully trying to push that pendulum back as a way to slow down, but also perfect our skill and our talent. Here's where your hamstring's weak. We know how to go after that. Here's where your glute's weak. We know how to go after that. All of these variables. So I think it's medically driven, but it also has to be education mm -hmm. to the parents, the coaches, and that's why I love what you're doing with the ACL club. Yeah. Your work, you, you have a finger into the community. You have a, a segue into these teams. You have a segue into these clubs. Mm -hmm. And the more we can get that knowledge out there that it really should be a year if we did that across the board, I'll guarantee you it would drop for sure probably 5 to 7%. Mm -hmm. Even if the rehab is still not up to sports specificity, it will go down mm -hmm. because tissue heals. Yeah. The histological and complete healing of the inside tissue is 12 to 18 months. So why are we letting kids go back to high level when know. they're not ready? I don't know. It's not fair. No, it hurts me. Mm -hmm. It hurts you. I think anyone that's been through it, like of course we want you to get back as as quickly as you can but there's nothing we can change about the physiological things and healing, healing. Of tissue. yeah can't you, you can't change it and I you know this is a huge goal of mine but one of the things I want to do is create a you know that this recovery be longer that people have to have more physical therapy therapy sessions because it's not, we're setting people up for failure. Mm -hmm. And not a failure like you were talking about because I think that's like almost a, a, a positive failure because mm -hmm. you're seeing w how you can improve. Mm -hmm. This is a failure where you're like, okay, you can go play and we're just gonna hope that you're not gonna get injured. Mm -hmm. And I can't handle it. Like yeah. the amount of times I've cried in the last year for just girls, little youth athletes I know who have retorn their ACL or come back and torn the other one. It's 
not fair to them. It's not fair to their families and you guys who are putting, I mean, think about the physical therapists who are putting so much into this and just like, you know, can't, you know, they're done with their PT visits and maybe they can't afford to do that extra training. So I don't know, Jim, we could change some things. We could, I, that's a huge goal of mine, but I got to put it out there and like have that vision and that ability to, you know, strive for something because I think we could change a lot of lives for the better um, just by making this process a little bit longer. I agree 100%. And the other thing too is that you're hitting on levels. I mean, when we're looking at, at the doctors and the surgeons mm -hmm. saying a year, when we're looking at the physical therapist and the yep. athletic trainers saying a year, yep. we're looking at the strength and conditioning coaches saying a year, we're looking at you through your ACL club saying, I guarantee you, if you and I could rewrite your script, we would have bought time. Uh, it's frustrating for both you and I to know yeah. that we push the envelope at times. And yeah. it, it's not easy. I mean, the world does not stop. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and foresight isn't. And, mm -hmm. But I think that it's, it's always an evolutionary process of yeah. how to perfect it and how to get it out to as many people yeah. in as many venues as you can, and right. it all helps. Yeah. And things like the sports performance, the back, what do you guys call it? Return to sport? Yeah. Return to sport test that they have here at Next Level is, um, yeah, it's a killer. It really is. I did it a couple times and it never got easier. And it was really helpful though, because I knew that after that, I was going to be able to get stronger in the areas that I was weak. And um, I love what you guys are doing, of course, and recommend all the people I know to come here because- Thank you. You're treating the full athlete, and I think, Jim, you, one of the cool things is, is in a lot of people in sports medicine have been athletes themselves and find this passion from being injured, and it's cool to see you take that and help so many lives. I mean, a, a lot, a lot of people and influence them so greatly, and I just want to take a moment and tell you how much you've meant to me and how... Um, you know, I wouldn't have gone through this journey with anybody else <laughs> because um, it was it was very difficult. And to know that somebody could handle that and um, cry with me and laugh with me and push me until I cried and laughed yep. <laughs> as well on the track out there on the turf, um, it was it means more than you maybe ever will know. But yeah. um, it's a good two-way street, and yeah. don't ever forget when I took my wife Sherry and I and we went and saw you play at Santa Clara. I know that was that, so that great. That made my day. That was awesome to see you on the field, and yep. you know that we had some a lot of fun times and a lot of good ways, and got to know each other and mm -hmm. had a great relationship. Still have a great relationship, yep. and that'll never change. Yeah, it's nice walking in here and not being injured <laughs> Amen. <laughs> with my crazy hair everywhere and not sweaty and gross um well thank you so much jim i appreciate it thank you this was awesome keep yep. going with the acl club Make I will. good things happen always awesome love that love jim's honesty and the way he got into what he's doing is really a big reason why he is so committed to making this process better I think we're challenged with what we're trying to do and have big goals to really enhance this process and make it better for the people who are going through it because Jim and I have 
together been through a lot and he's been through a heck of a lot more with when it comes to knee injuries and treating the people here at Next Level and also in the NFL. I just loved talking to Jim. I think he has a lot of good things to say. One of the best things to me that he said is that we live in a crockpot world and we have a microwave society. I talk all the time about how this is a process that it is not a straight line from surgery or injury to getting back on the field. It's up, down, sideways, and all the things in between. This is a crock pot kind of situation. Things won't happen overnight. You can't pop it into the microwave and expect it to be done in a couple weeks. It takes time and patience and just the ability to let it marinate and say, hey, I'm gonna let this sit. I'm gonna work hard and know that in the long run, I'm going to be much better from this. And you guys, I'll tag everything that he's associated with in Next Level in the show notes so you can reach out if you have any more further questions or you know want to know if there's someone like him in your area. We'll try to figure out a way to connect you guys to those great people. As always, I hope that you enjoyed what you heard, that you will share your strength with one another and go out there and show your scars with pride, knowing that this process is only making you a better human, a better athlete, and you are growing substantially in the process.